Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. God took His glory and left, and now the nation has no more king ruling over the nation of Israel. And so let's pick up here at Daniel chapter 2, verse number 1. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. So we go on through this chapter number two, and we sing, we see that the king can't recall and doesn't know what his dream is. And so this is the issue that's facing the king. Look down and we'll pick up at verse number 24. We see that the Bible says in verse 24, Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Now, Daniel, we know that the wise men and the astrologers and the magicians, they couldn't tell King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So he was going to have them killed. And Daniel shows up and he says, don't do that. Now, isn't that something? A man of God shows up and those lives were spared. Um, the wise men weren't so wise, but Daniel, because of his testimony, because of who he was, they were saved because Daniel went into the king. And I'll tell you, to make some practical application, you know what God wants? He wants us as Christian witnesses to go out into the world so they can hear the gospel and they can be saved. God uses us the same way that he used Daniel. Just show up, God says. And if you show up, God says, I will use you. Now, we're not going to a king, but we are going into this lost and dying world and we are preaching the glorious gospel of grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 25. Then Arioch brought in Daniel. Well, that's a lie. <laughs> because, well, let's go back a verse uh, or two to verse number 16. Because verse number 16 says, Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. So Arioch's trying to take a little bit of credit. Daniel went in. He's the one that initiated. But nonetheless, verse 25, then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. Watch verse 26. The king answered and said unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. That means, that's his Babylonian name, which means whom Bel favors. That's a pagan false sun god. 
And isn't it interesting that the Disney movies, you know what one of their characters is named? Belle. Uh, by the way, all of Hananiah, he was given his Babylonian name, Shadrach. Shadrach. Rack, Rack, that's a sun god. Mishael was given the name Meshach. That means who is like Venus. That's a false god associated with materialistic things, associated with status, often a female uh, false heroine god. Matter of fact, the, again, the Disney uh, movies, they have Donald, guess who he encounters at the World Tree and, and whatever their latest, latest uh, sketch of films are. Venus. Venus. It's all worked in. All these false gods are all worked into society, uh, even, even today. Um, but Meshach, also associated with Aku. That's A-K-U. That would be the moon god. Uh, there's a series, Samurai Jack series, and the main antagonist is named, guess what? Aku. All these false gods are interwoven into the stories that are told to children. And these these boys, these, the uh, last one, uh, Azariah, he was given a Bendigo. That's the servant of Nego. It's identified with the planet or false god Mercury. Interesting, Isaiah 46 1 says, Bell boweth down. Nebo, stupid. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. In Jeremiah 48, verse 1, it says, Against Moab, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Woe unto Nebo. That king gave them Babylonian names. He wanted to get them as far away and as disconnected as possible from their God. And wanted them to take on every habit of the heathens right down to the name. You don't see Christians naming their children after Babylonian names, do you? No. But you can rename you could rename them, but you cannot take away the God that they serve. And praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's keep reading. Verse number 26. Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, Secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise man? The astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. Daniel is bringing this up. You know why? He wants to make it very clear to King Nebi that they can't show him what the dream is. And he does an excellent job of it. Verse 28. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Now, watch what he says. There is a God in heaven. Daniel is telling the king, it's not me. I am not the one that is revealing to you. God reveals it. You go out and witness the lost people. It's not you telling them. 
It's God using you to tell them what God said in his word, how they can get to know him. It's God's message, not my message, not your message. It's God's message. And Daniel takes the opportunity to give glory to God. Now look over at Daniel chapter number four. I think we should follow suit as some practical application. Anytime we can get an opportunity to give God glory, let's do it. Look at Daniel four. Look at the 30th verse. Daniel 4.30, the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? I guess you'd expect a king that's ruling over the entire world to think like that. But nonetheless, Daniel, what does he do? He takes the opportunity to give glory to God, not glory to King Nebuchadnezzar. The other thing we see in the 28th verse is this phrase, what shall be in the latter days? So Daniel, he says, look, but there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets and maketh known to the King Nebuchadnezzar. What shall be in the latter days? He makes it clear also not only that he's not the one revealing the secret, God is, but he also makes it very clear of some future prophecy that's going to take place. You have end time prophecy unfolding in Daniel chapter two concerning this dream. So he tells them, look, yes, king, you're going to learn your immediate future. But also the latter days refers to there's going to be something that's going to happen at a later time, further out, end times future, and that latter days that you see in verse 28 is a reference to God's dealing with the Jews at the close of the tribulation time, much farther out. And so what this is, is it's from the time in Daniel 2 all the way to the time of the day of the Lord. That's that latter days. That's a time that's coming. And that'll be the day of the Lord. Daniel chapter 2. Look at verse number 30. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 29. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living. He, he's a humble guy. Daniel saying, not only is it not for me, but he says, watch what he says. Uh, to me, for any wisdom that I have more than any living. He's saying to the king, look, I am no more wise than any other man 
that's left. Again, he's given glory to God. God is showing this to me, and I'm showing it to you only because God is revealing. Genuine humility and something we can all grab a hold of living our life, our Christian life today. Certainly practical application. But for their sakes, verse 30, that shall make known the interpretation to the king and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Look at verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. And you know what the image is in? Human form. You know what we read about in Romans chapter 1, verse 23, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into what? An image made like what? To corruptible man. Images. People love images. They want to worship an image. We see in verse number 31, this great image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee and the form thereof was terrible. This image was, this image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. You have a depreciation of value starting at the top and going down. Gold, more valuable than silver. Silver, more valuable than brass. Everything is lessening in value. Legs of iron. His feet, part of iron and part of clay. Clay is pretty much worthless. We got a ton of it here in Tennessee. Man, it's hard to work in. It rains, you just be knee-deep in mud. Just, I couldn't believe when we moved here how clay-like the soil was. It's worthless. Can't grow a good green pasture in clay. What also is interesting is that the strength of the metal, however, increases. We see that these kingdoms tend to gain some power. It's not ultimate power. It's given to them by God. But we'll dive into that in a little bit. We'll come back to that thought. But See that verse in the verse 33? Look at that. His feet, part of iron and part of clay. Look at verse 34. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands. You know what that's a reference to? That is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch what it says. The reference to Christ. Stone was cut out with hands. Watch this. Which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. It's Jesus Christ the Lord prophetically is going to destroy the whole thing. And you know what? It's going to break it right to pieces. It doesn't matter what the materials are. Acts 7, we see a reference. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. So this image, Daniel is revealing to King Nebuchadnezzar. Our kingdoms. 
And Christ is going to smash them. Destroy all of it. You're going to have right from the bottom to the top. You know what's going to happen? You know what it is? It's a biblical implosion. It's a spiritual implosion that Christ is going to do to all of the kingdoms of this world. All these physical kingdoms. And the whole thing, the whole thing prophetically is going to come down. In verse number 35. It says, then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together. Everything from head to, to toe. The gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, all the way trickled down to the feet. And all of these kingdoms are going to be ruined like that. All of the physical kingdoms, Christ will destroy when he comes back. And none of these kingdoms got better. They were all a downward spiral. But it's not going to be so with Christ's kingdom. And every single attempt that man has made to govern the earth, God is going to destroy all of it, all of the kingdoms. Revelation 20, it says, and there was found no place for them. Daniel chapter 2, verse number 35 is a very meaty verse of scripture. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. That's the Revelation 20 reference. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And that great mountain is a reference to Christ's kingdom and it will be the entire earth that he will rule when it says it became like the chaff the summer threshing floor and the wind carried them away it is so thoroughly destroyed nothing remains of those kingdoms entirely and 100 percent destroyed every single one of those kingdoms Daniel 2, verse 36. This is the dream. And we will tell. Seems to imply that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. You imagine those wise men. It's a bold message he's telling them. The king's ready to kill everybody else. And Daniel seems to go in unafraid. And we know why. Because he knows God's revealing it. But none of those wise men, astrologers, magicians, none of them. Can't imagine any of them bringing a bold message like this to the king. At least I can't. Uh, so look at verse.
37. Watch what it says. Thou, O king, are a king of kings. You see that? Well, what's up with that? That's an interesting verse. I thought Jesus Christ was the king of kings and lord of lords. Not in this verse and not in this context. And not only earth at that time when Daniel's talking to him. Go to Daniel. Well, let me say this. When, Dan, uh, when King Nebuchadnezzar is ruling, he is the king of all the kings of those kingdoms on that earth at that time. Notice it's little K king and little K king. Not capital K king, capital K king. It's the king of, it's the lowercase king over all the other lowercase kings. Because you have King Nebuchadnezzar at that time when he's ruling that Babylonian kingdom, that gold head, he is ruling the world and is over all of the other kings. It was, Babylon was the superpower at that time ruling over all of the lesser kingdoms at that time but watch what it says how can he be a king of kings for the god of heaven hath given thee a kingdom you know what god gave king nebuchadnezzar god gave him a kingdom to rule over God gave it to him. Daniel lets him know that. That gold represents that Babylonian king and his kingdom, his empire. The only reason he has power is because of God. All right, so we see that. King Nebuchadnezzar is ruling. He's got kingdom power given to him by God on earth. It's a physical kingdom. And verse 38. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the heaven, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. You've got a Gentile king ruling with Gentile power, all of the power given by God, all of the wealth given by God. Everything that he has is given to him by God. That physical kingdom on the physical earth only because of God. One thing to note here, the Babylonian system, yes, it started way before, but Daniel chapter 2 and this vision and what Daniel's doing, it's taking it from that time forward and that's the context of Daniel chapter number two. Forward to when? Christ's kingdom. When he will come and set up his reign and rule on the earth. And when he does that, all of the other kingdoms are destroyed. Look at verse 39. And after thee, speaking of the Babylonian kingdom shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee and a third kingdom of brass, which shall bear, bear rule over all the earth. 
you had the Babylonian kingdom, then you had the Medo-Persian kingdom, then you had the Grecian or Greek kingdom, and then you had the Roman kingdom. Uh, so when you look at verse number 39, Daniel is revealing to him, you've got a kingdom, but there's going to be another one that is inferior to thee next. That's the Medo-Persian kingdom. And look at Daniel 8. Really quick. Little reference there. Verse 20 it is. Daniel 8 verse 20. Watch what it says. The ram which thou sawest having two horns. Are the kings of Media and Persia. And that coincides with. Oh, is it where is it here? Uh, verse 32 of Daniel 2. This image's head was a fine gold. Now watch with, watch this. His breast and his arms of silver. So you know what that he goat coincides with? Those two horns that coincides with Daniel 8, verse 20, coincides with Daniel 2, verse number 32. See that? Look at it again. The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. You run that, you can see it right. Daniel chapter 2, verse number 32. There's a, there's a coinciding of that there. It's a dualistic empire. Medo, kings. Persian, kings. On the left, on the left arm is the Medo, which is the weaker. On the right is the Persian, which is the stronger. But it's a dualistic kingdom. It's inferior, we see that in, in, in right, silver, inferior to gold. Uh, inferior because, well, when King Nebuchadnezzar, he's ruling Babylon, it's him. What did we just see he was called? King of kings. Little K over little K kings. That next kingdom, when it's inferior, what do you see a splitting? It's a dualistic. It's inferior that way as well look at verse 40 we'll keep going and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise you got people being subdued you have people being broken. Forces used. That fourth kingdom, strong as iron, but divided. Look at verse 42. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. See that strong as iron. There's some uh, there are there's some strength that seems to increase with these kingdoms. I mean, you know what the main building material of today is? Steel. It's in built buildings, appliances, tools, technology. Steel is used 
abundantly. You know where you get steel? Iron. Iron. You know what God's going to do? Smash it all. Every part of the kingdom will be destroyed. Don't matter what it is. Weapons, rockets, ships, cars, trains, all of that steel. Everything that is associated with the kingdom completely destroyed. Verse 41, whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of the potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. You've got, you know what we have a society of? Strength and weakness. Technologically, we are so far more advanced. Medically, we are so far more advanced. It's amazing what these doctors can do. Economically, materialistically, militarily, we are stronger than we have ever been. Yet spiritually, we are as weak as we've ever been. It's a split, dualistic, strength slash weakness kingdom that we're in right now. Rich as we can be materially. But we live spiritually in a sewer of sin. That's this world. That's this kingdom. And God's going to get rid of all of it. He's just not doing it right now. When you see iron in the Bible, it reflects oppression in God's word. Clay, we see that mixed with clay, it's Adam, physical man, just worthless why we want to get in Christ and then miry clay it's this worthless mud is what it is so what have we got King 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 Nebi's got gold it's that Babylonian kingdom it splits off that Medo-Persian kingdom from there it's a Grecian kingdom then it comes to a Roman kingdom and that's split you got eastern and western divisions there Yes, the strength is weakened, but the influence is still there. These kingdoms influence our lives. Now, let's go to verse. Okay, verse 42. Let's read that verse. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And the final form of Rome is going to be, how many toes you got on your feet? Ten. The final form of Rome is going to be ten sub-kingdoms, if you would. I'll go to Revelation chapter number 13. Revelation chapter number 13. You got 10 toes on your feet, talking about kingdoms in Daniel 2. 
Revelation 13, verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horn, ten crowns. Upon his head, the name of blasphemy. Ten horns, ten crowns. Go to Revelation 17. Revelation chapter number 17. Look at verse number 2. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit in the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast. Full of names of blasphemy. Having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. And decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations. And her and filthiness of her fornication and upon her head was a name written mystery Babylon the great the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth you know what you read in verse number two with whom the kings of the earth God's getting rid of these kingdoms look at verse number seven same chapter the angel said unto me wherefore didst thou marvel I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. What are the horns? Verse 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings. God smashing and getting ready, rid of every one of the kingdom. Go back to Daniel 2, if you would. Daniel chapter 2. Look at verse. Uh, let's look at verse 40. 43. And whereas thou sawest. Iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves. Who's the they? They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. The final world empire won't be with the seed of men, it'll be with the they. Verse number 43. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. And what happened in Noah's day in Genesis chapter 6 is going to happen again. There's going to be a mingling. Those toes, that iron clay, that mingling of the sons of God with the daughters of men. And you're going to have what you had back in Genesis 6. Superman, and that's happening again. Now, they shall mingle this mingling. We open that can a little bit, we're going to close it because we got to come back to that so that we can not rush through it because we're about out of time now. But we're going to come back to that thought and get a better understanding of the mingling. But there's going to be some mingling going on, and it's not going to be with the seeds of men, it's going to be whoever that they are with the seeds of men. 
with the seed of men. So we'll look at that in another message. Well, moving on on verse number 44, watch what it says. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. That's the ten of the ten toes that we talked about, plus the four that we saw earlier in Daniel 2, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Grecian. Roman, and then plus the ten, when we get down to the feet with the ten toes. Head of gold, Babylon, breast and arms, silver, Medo-Persian Empire, the belly and thighs, brass, that's the Grecian Empire, the legs of iron is the Roman Empire. It's those four plus the ten that make up five and five on each foot. What's God going to do? Destroy every single one. Everyone. He's going to break it in pieces and consume it. Destroy. And nobody else is going to rule. No other people. Daniel 2.45, for as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. You know what that is? That's the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he is going to set up, and that will be his millennial kingdom reign. No other kingdoms will exist at that time. They exist now, but at his second coming, when he sets up his millennial kingdom, they will not. It's a supernatural building. It's a spiritual building made without hands. And it's the final kingdom. It will destroy all kingdoms, yet his will never be destroyed. So prophetically, what is in view in verse number 45? Really, the whole chapter, you could make that argument. It's the millennial kingdom of God. That will last for 1,000 years, and then it will transform itself into what? The eternal kingdom of God. And he will rule and reign forever. Not getting passed to any other people. Everything that has to do with the kingdoms on earth, God will destroy. Politically, militarily, economically, all of it destroyed. Including, I guess the most important part to mention is, Every religious system that exists in the kingdoms of this world. He's going to wipe it all out. This is all physical kingdom stuff. As important as it is prophetically. We don't go out and preach. Get into the millennial kingdom. Now, we're going to come back and rule and reign with him. But we are preaching the kingdom of God, a spiritual kingdom that they must be regenerated 
and born into. As a Christian, you know what I'm waiting for? I'm waiting on the stone cut without hands. In the meantime, we're not preaching physical kingdom stuff as the gospel. We're preaching the kingdom of God. Let's wrap up some thoughts here. From Daniel's day to Christ's second coming, you have four great world kingdoms that we've already reviewed. They meld into one kingdom that will contain good and evil from all of the prior kingdoms that are being passed down through time. And in Luke 21, it's called the times of the Gentiles. And we see Daniel 2, we see the Bible, we go through the Bible, we don't see secular history going on or being written about in the Bible. We saw all these kingdoms. And this times of the Gentiles, you don't see it in Daniel 2. You see the reference in Luke 21. But it refers to the time when the nation of Israel is without a king. That's why we did the lesson on God took his glory and left. No more kings for Israel. So this times of the Gentiles is Israel without a king. Go over to Jose. Turn over one book of your Bible. Let's get chapter number three. Hosea chapter number three. Hosea chapter number three, verse number four. Watch what it says. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a what? King. And without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image and without an ephod and without teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness went in the latter days. You see that? It's going to it's a prophetic time. It's going to happen. It just hasn't happened now. During the time of the Gentiles, all of it is about man glorifying himself. It's the deification of man. This is why the image in Daniel 2 is so fitting. Multiple kings succeeding each other. And the stone kingdom. You know what it represents? God's judgment. Smashing and destroying every part of every kingdom. All that's true. All that's there. All that's prophetic. God is a God of judgment. You know what we preach? The gospel of grace. All this is going to come to pass. But when we go out into this lost and dying world, we're preaching, you can get saved by entering into a spiritual kingdom By the saving power of God's grace. It's the preaching of the cross that we preach. Not the setting up of an outward physical kingdom. Well, when do people learn that? I don't like how you're learning it and I'm learning it. After we've gotten 
regenerated and entered into the spiritual kingdom, which is within. Then we learn about all this. You go out and try to get somebody saved reading Daniel 2, you're going to have a hard time. It's there. It's for our learning. There's application. A lot of good truth there. But this is about God's judgment coming down and destroying kingdoms, physical kingdoms. Stone is Christ. Jews, there's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, stone which the builders rejected. Matthew 21, you, have to st- you don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but it says, Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. You know what we want them to do right now? Fall on the stone and be broken of sin and repent. And then it says, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. You don't want to play around with the judgment of God. The first coming, did he come to smite the Roman Empire? (laughs) No. It was quite the opposite. The Roman Empire smote him, not his second coming. Not on his second coming. I don't pray thy kingdom come. That's a model prayer. Yes, we get that for learning. But. That's his physical kingdom that's coming. Thy kingdom come is a prayer for his physical kingdom. I don't have to pray that prayer. You know why? Because I have got entrance into his spiritual kingdom. And you don't have to pray thy kingdom come because you are in his spiritual kingdom. That prayer thy kingdom come is for what? His physical kingdom. Is it coming? Yes. Now, you can pray it in the sense that, yeah, we're going to look forward to that day. But I mentioned that to mention to you the context of that prayer is for a physical kingdom. And if we don't get the understanding of kingdom of God versus the kingdom of heaven and this understanding of Daniel 2 and these setting ups of these physical kingdoms on earth. Given by God to rule on the earth. And how Christ is that stone kingdom is going to be set up. He's going to smash and demolish all the other kingdoms and every aspect of it. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.